comes the captives to release in Satan's prison bell. The gates of brass before him burst. The iron fetters Does anybody know what this is a logo for? Anybody know what that logo is? SGN. Some good news. Uh, can you turn me down a little bit? I feel like I'm ringing, or is it just me? I'm ringing just a little bit, yeah. Some good news. Uh, it was eight months ago uh, now that this actor, John Krasinski is his name. You maybe recognize him. He's Jim from The Office. Or he's Jack Ryan, and that there's a Netflix, I think, miniseries. But way back in in March, when the COVID was just starting to hit the country, and we all were in quarantine, and we didn't mind it because oh, it's just two weeks to flatten the curve, no big deal. Uh, but but he just said, you know what? We need some good news. So he he started eight weeks on a YouTube series uh, where it was just that it was only good news, and. He was right as far as he thinking that people, that's all they wanted to hear. Within 24 hours of him posting his first episode, uh, I think 3.1 million people hit it uh, within 24 hours. And seven weeks later, when he ended his series, 56 million hits on just on the Facebook platform, which didn't even count all the, the normal YouTube watchers. Uh, so, so people were longing for good news. We're longing for good news for some SGN. Isaiah's listeners were longing for good news in Isaiah's day as well. Uh, just a little bit of review. I, I, all of you were in worship last week, so you heard this. Uh, but Isaiah, again, he, he kind of had a dual audience uh, that he was writing for. He lived in around the year 700, uh, years before Jesus. And he lived down there in the south near Jerusalem. And, and the northern part of Israel, they had, they had just gotten conquered. The Assyrians took him off. But, but God used Isaiah to bring some SGN, some, some good news to his people of his day. Saying, hey, guess what? The, the Assyrians, they're, they're not going to topple us. We're okay. But his contemporaries were really not his primary audience. It seems like God used Isaiah more to speak to an audience that was down the road 150 years when his ancestors would be hauled off to the east to the area called Babylon and be in captivity. Again, this is nothing that, that Isaiah would recognize or, or observe for himself. This is something that God just gave him eyes to address. And that, that always amazes me. Uh, the illustration I used last week is, I mean, can you imagine if, if God used you right now to write a letter to your great-great-great-grandchildren 150 years down the road to, to address some challenge that going, they're going to face in their life? I mean, where would you start, right? Or, or to flip it around, I said this in Bible class this morning, imagine you were, you were trying to get your, your Christmas decorations out of the attic or, or out of your cedar chest or wherever, and you saw tucked into that heirloom thing a little note that you received from your ancestors who, who came over on the boat in 1840, and it says, 
to my dear relatives how to survive COVID in 2020. You're like, how would they know that that's what we'd have to do? But, but that's exactly the situation that Isaiah is being asked to do from God. And, and God says to him, he says, you know what I, I want you to be able to do? I want you to, you're going to have to give some good news to these people. Uh, because they are going to be held in captivity. You are going to have to bind up their broken heart, the brokenhearted. You are going to have to proclaim freedom to the captives. And that's, that's really what the gift is that God had Isaiah wrap up for the people of Israel way down the road, 150 years later than Isaiah. And it's also the gift that God wraps up for us here tonight. Freedom. The gift of freedom. Now, what is the gift of freedom? You know, freedom is one of those, those abstract words, isn't it? I don't know if we can really define or nail down what freedom is because so much is dependent on context or our own experiences with it. Most of us, many of us, uh, grew up in the land of the free. So maybe freedom has a different meaning to us than people maybe in other parts of the world around the globe. Or, or freedom, just the way that we use it. Sometimes it can be used to say, hey, I'm free to, free to do something, but sometimes freedom stresses that I'm free from something. And, and it might be the same event that, that we use to say I'm free for or something with, from. Uh, you know, I, I think of, um, I, I've heard this numerous times from a 16-year-old who gets a car, their driver's license. They say, oh, finally, freedom, right? And one kid might be stressing, well, I have freedom to go wherever I want, whenever I want. But the other kid might be stressing, I have freedom from mom and dad being my chauffeur, right? So what's freedom? Is it freedom to or is it freedom from? Or it's the same thing with, with, um, with retirements. I've heard a lot of uh, people say a, a retirement speech or shortly thereafter, oh, I finally have freedom. Freedom from a set schedule, or some people stress, oh, now I have freedom to do what I want to do. And so freedom, like I said, it, it's maybe hard to define. And so when we talk about this gift of freedom that, that God wraps up through Isaiah for the Israelites, I think it's beneficial for us to understand what, what did an Israelite hear when they heard these words? Proclaim freedom for the captives. So much of that concept of freedom, what Isaiah's listeners would have heard, would have been tied to, to how God really governed them as a society. Uh, not just as his people spiritually, but how he governed them even uh, as a government, as civilly. You might say, you see, God really held Israel tight by the hand uh, in the Old Testament days, and He had to, right? Because because He had so much tied up in these people, He He had the promise of a Savior linked to these people, and so He couldn't afford for them as a nation to be wiped off the face of the earth. I mean, we see kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. If they would have fallen. 
There goes the promise of a Savior. So, so God really guided them, not just spiritually, not just ceremonially, ceremonially guiding their worship, but he also guided them, like I said, civilly, giving them civil laws, how to, how to work in a society. And, and much of this is outlined for us in a book called Leviticus, a book that some would say, oh, that is the boringest book in the Bible to wade through. Um, not necessarily, but I can get where, where people say to me, who wants to read about, okay, this is how you handle skin diseases and, and this is how you handle mold and that type of thing. I mean, it kind of gets tedious after a while and even gross in some points. Um, but in the midst of all these laws, God gives some beautiful, beautiful pictures of Jesus, some beautiful pictures of the gospel. And much of those beautiful pictures center around this word, freedom. So Leviticus 25, uh, that, that God introduces them to what he calls the year of Jubilee. Uh, the year of Jubilee was this, that every 50th year on July 10th, they didn't have July, July wasn't around yet, but it was the seventh month and the tenth day, so we'll call it July 10th. On July 10th of every 50th year, God said, all right, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a year of Jubilee. And what that means is I want you to sound the trumpets and celebrate because there is going to be freedom like you've never experienced in the last 50 years. Uh, you're, you're, not even, you're, not, you're going to be free from work, right? You're not going to have to tend to the vines or till the soil. Uh, because you're just going to live off the land naturally. And don't worry, you'll have plenty to eat because I'm going to provide a bumper crop the year before. So your, your storerooms will be full. You'll find me, I mean, wouldn't that be nice if we all got a siesta for a year? Just, hey, don't, you're free from work for a year. All right? I mean, if, you're, if you live long enough, you see it twice. Most people would just see it once in their lifetime. But, and so that's kind of the picture of the guys slouching there in the haystack. But, but yeah, you're free. And not only are you free to, to not work the land, let's talk a little bit about land and a little bit about property, is that all the land is going to return back to its rightful owner. So if you, own, if you owed somebody a lot of money and, you, and so you had to sell them some of your property or rent it out to them, now it's coming back to you. I, I mean, again, wouldn't that be nice? It's, for modern day picture, it'd be like all of our mortgages get burned, right? The banks own most of our houses still. But no, every 50 years, we all get to burn our mortgages. How awesome would that be? And, and then he talks about slaves. And maybe don't just think about slaves like we often think about slaves in our country uh, pre-Civil War. But you can think about anybody who is maybe even a hired servant or an indentured servant where they owed someone someone, so they, they, now they work for free to work off their debts. He says, all you, you're going to be all the slaves... They're going to be free as well. And, and the way that God puts it there in Leviticus is this. It says, proclaim liberty throughout the land and to all its inhabitants. A little side note. Do you know where that lands itself in our, in our country's history? That verse? That's on the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. A little, little different context. Um, then what? But uh, but uh, anyway, this word liberty 
which is talked about in Leviticus 25, is the exact same word. And it's really one of few places in the Old Testament that it's used, but it's the exact same word that, that Isaiah uses here. That God says, I want you to proclaim freedom to the captives. That it, it's this idea that everything is going to be restored. You know, you're not owing anybody anymore. You have, you have this, this total freedom. This restorative aspect that things go back to the way that they were. And, and just imagine, imagine how comforting that would be to the original readers of this, that here you are, you've been held in captive, captivity for 50, 60, almost 70 years. And you read this and say, oh, things are going to go back the way they were. That they're going to be, we're going to have our, we're going to see our home again. We're going to see our family again. Uh, you know, that it, it, it's not just the promise of a better life. It's a, it's a promise to say, it, it's, there's going to be a sense of normalcy again. You know, and it kind of reminds me, it's, it's always interesting how God uses your ears to hear things when you, I, you know, I've been kind of working on this sermon all week and, and then the conversations you had, I think I've, I counted at least four times I heard other people say to me this week, I just can't wait for things to be normal again, right? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? If you came in here tonight and I said, guess what? COVID is over. No more masks. No more need for a vaccine. No more online school. No more just eating four at a table at a restaurant. No more Facebook rants or no more Facebook memes. No more, no more anything. In fact, it's, it's so obliterated that if I say COVID, you say, what? What's COVID? Or, or Corona? What? What's that all about? I mean, wouldn't that be nice if it was just completely gone? I and mean, we're frustrated because it's only, and it's only been here, what, nine, eight, ten months maybe? They've been living like this for, for almost 70 years, and now they get this promise that they are going to have liberty, that things are going to be restored. What a tremendous joy. That is the gift that God has wrapped up for these people. And that is the gift that God also has wrapped up for you. These words, these words, this gift of freedom was not something that was just meant for Babylonian captive Israelites in the 500s. I can guarantee this is a gift that God places in your hands today. And the reason I can guarantee that is because of something that happened many years after Isaiah wrote these words. One day Jesus was in his synagogue, his church, and they invited him, hey, why don't you say a few words? And the leaders of that synagogue, they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. And as, as Jesus strolled up to the front of the room, he unrolled that scroll and he read, well, he read this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And then Jesus rolled up that scroll, handed it back to the leader and sat down. 
And with all eyes on him, what he said next was, today. Today this is fulfilled in me. That Jesus was assuring that he, he is the one. He is the one who proclaims the good news. He is the one who binds up the brokenhearted. He is the one who proclaims freedom to the captives. That is the gift that you and I have today. You know, and I don't, I don't know if we always just grasp the enormity, the magnitude of the gift of freedom that we have in Christ. You know, we, we find ourselves confessing so often, I, a poor, miserable sinner. And yet here he proclaims good news to the poor. You know, and I think that's especially important this time of year. Christmas, yeah, Christmas is supposed to be filled with cheer and festivities. I think it often that these dark nights of, this winter, of the winter often reflect what's going on in our hearts more than the Christmas spirit, the Christmas cheer. I don't know, it's just maybe it's just my experience of talking with people or my own life, but it, it, it seems like there's this time of year more guilt and gloom than there is glee. Maybe it's the stress of the holidays, but it seems like it's not just ginger that snaps, it's our tongues that snap too. As we lash out at our loved ones, maybe because of the stress of the holidays. Poor, poor miserable sinners that we are. And yet, what does Jesus say here? You know, he says he's the one who's been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. Or maybe it's, yeah, it's that broken heartedness that we've experienced. It seems like every time you get to just about to flip the calendar to a new year, we kind of have that nostalgic aspect to our lives. And we, we maybe look back on the last year and we think about some broken heart moments, maybe some dreams that weren't realized or some, some hopes for this year were dashed so our hearts were broken. Or we maybe are thinking of broken hearts that we've experienced because some relationship fizzled. Or, or we're maybe thinking of, we find ourselves in the grips of, of brokenheartedness because we're still grieving a loved one. You know, that often happens here at Christmas, grieving the loss of one who's not able to celebrate with us. And here's Jesus. Here's Jesus who says, I've been set aside to bind up the broken heart. He doesn't come to, to, to pry open our wounds even further and pour, pour salt in them, though. He's here to, to heal them. And he's the skillful surgeon who stitches us up, who stitches our hearts up in, in such a way that, that he doesn't even leave any scars behind. You know, the, and the scars that are on his hands assure us that, that he doesn't leave any scars here. Or, or, or you think of, you know, maybe we feel like a prisoner at times. A prisoner to our own sin, our sinful lifestyle our temptations, 
that seem to have a stranglehold or, or shackle us, or, or maybe we feel like we are just a pawn in Satan's game as, as he lures us to listen to his many lies. Maybe, again, we feel like we're in the grips of death as it's, it's got a stranglehold on us because of our grief or the reality or facing the reality of our own death. And Jesus comes and he says, no, those things don't have to hold you anymore. I proclaim freedom. I release you. I release you from all those things. I don't just release you, I restore you. Just like that year of Jubilee. That, that's what God's promise is. He doesn't promise you just that, hey, guess what? Your life is going to get better in the future. What He promises is that your life is going to be restored to exactly what He, ever, what he always intended it to be. To be a perfect, to be a perfect relationship with Him. Where you will be dressed in the garments of salvation. Where you will be wearing a robe of righteousness. Where you will stand in the presence of his glory and you won't even flinch. A situation where you won't even long for some SGN, some good news anymore, because you won't even know what bad news is. That's the freedom that your Savior proclaims to you today. That's the freedom that your Savior unwraps for you today. And so cherish. Cherish that gift that you have. Not just through the pen of Isaiah, but through your Savior. Amen. Out loud, Hosanna, Prince of Peace. Your welcome shall go and hands eternal arches ring with your holy love.